Hi listeners, this is Deborah from Mystic Wolf Soulcraft and I'm here today with Laura from Law, that's L-A-U, Law of Attraction. Welcome everyone to Mystical Tea Time where we drink tea and talk about all things ascension and spirituality, self-love, uh, all kinds of stuff. Today we're going to be talking about toxic relationships, the empath-narcissist combo, self-love as the key for leaving such relationships. For those of you who know me, welcome back. For those of you who are new, my name is Deborah. I'm a multidimensional channel, healer, intuitive artist and writer. And yeah, toxic relationships can be, can look uh, different for everyone. They can be husband-wife relationship, mother-child relationship, uh, employer-employee relationship. They can take all kinds of shapes or form. Basically, we're going to talk about what, what does this look like and um, how do you like how can you leave such a relationship what are some of the red flags anyway yeah so this was really interesting i really enjoyed talking to laura and if you think that you may be in a toxic relationship you feel like um, you are scared of the person you are with that is not normal and that is a major red flag if you feel like you have to walk on eggshells around them if you feel like you have to bite your tongue a lot you can't just speak your mind because they will get angry at you that is not normal those are all red flags please stay tuned please listen and uh, listen to this episode and reach out to us if you feel like you may be in a toxic relationship so here is Laura. Okay, well, let's just dive right into it, maybe. Uh, yeah, so for, for people listening, I met Laura through Instagram. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I, I bumped into your page and I was like, oh, that's interesting, Law of Attraction. And then I'm like, oh, that's Law, like L-A-U of Attraction. Oh, that's funny. And I started, <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I, I listened to your podcast episode about toxic relationships and I was listening to it and like, wow, this, this is like you're talking about me. This is about me and what happened to me. I was like, whoa, this is just amazing. This episode, I was so blown away. I'm like, this is amazing. I need to have this lady on my podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. That's yeah. really sweet of you to say. I think... Um... It's, it's horrifying actually the amount of people who have been in toxic relationships and have have had these kind of cycles going and i think you know it's it's it says a lot about um you know the current climate that we all live in and i think that uh you know culture has got quite a lot to answer for when it comes down to perpetuating toxic relationships as being romantic relationships yeah you know if you look at i mean our most recent trope would be you know harlequin and the joker you know, and this is, this is a, you know, people, I saw the amount of memes that were being posted on social media, you know, about, oh, I want to love like Harley and, and the Joker. And you're like, are you mental? Yeah. Like, are you actually mad? It's not, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's the relationship is, is one of like a, of a narcissist, of, of Stockholm syndrome, of severe trauma and abuse. And, and it's like, how could you want to perpetuate that? And unfortunately, culture has got a huge amount to answer for because we have got these tropes that we put into um you know out into the realm of you know the princess that needs to be rescued yeah i was gonna um, say disney movies in general 
you know, it's just, and it's, you know, these, these things per- persist and they pervade, but, um, you know, I, I talk about, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, I call it the machine, you know, and the machine is, is what serves, you know, what capitalism serves, what consumerism serves, uh, what low self-esteem and all of these kind of things serve. And if you look at it like that, when you think, okay, what serves humans and what serves the machine? And actually what serves humans is the exact opposite often of what we're being sold. And what serves the machine is the things like social media that perpetuates um, disconnection, um, you know, things like things like makeup and advertisements and films that, that perpetuate low self-esteem. You know, these ideologies about um, fairy tales and, and things that perpetuate uh, traumatic relationships and traumatic situations. And, and I know people could be like, well, what would be the point of, of, of those things being perpetuated? But when you perpetuate those things, when it when it's something that serves the machine, serves capitalism, it serves, uh, you know, serves money, it serves these people, the people that make the decisions getting kind of richer. And it's like, of course, and all of that involves trauma, all of it involves low self esteem, all of it involves having toxicity between our relationships, whether it's relationships with ourselves or relationships with other people, because these things make money. And it's, you know, it's, it's quite horrifying when you start to kind of wake up to it all, actually looking at culture, and looking at all of the things that we feed, you know, our, our little girls and our little boys, actually how toxic a lot of our society is. Mm. And, you know, it's a, what do they say that it's no, it's no mark of a man to be uh, well adjusted in a sick society. And, and, you know, that's where we're at the moment. Um, I think that people, are, people, we're in a very sick society. And, and I think that certainly over lockdown, I think people have had a, an opportunity to step mm. back a moment and recognize how toxic the society there is. And then on a, on a micro basis, looking at how toxic the relationships are, because when you can be distracted and out of work and yeah. you know, seeing your friends and things, when you get locked in the house with somebody who could possibly be your abuser mm. um, or you're the abuser, you know, it, it really it really kind of puts a light on things. And I think that over the next um, six months, certainly, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are making huge shifts in their life to move away from relationships, social media, like we were saying, um, and, other, and other things. But... Tell me about, I mean, tell me a little bit about your experience with, with toxicity, because you said it, it rang really true with you. What was it that, what, what experience have you got? Yeah, well, um, I'll start at the beginning. The, the very beginning is, um, I used to travel a lot. I am originally from Belgium, but then I uh, lived in the Middle East for a little bit. I used to, uh, I was a teacher. I worked mm-hmm. in uh, the British school in Bahrain as a, a teacher, kindergarten teacher. I came back to Belgium and I was like, oh, I, I want to keep talking English. My English is good now. I, I want to keep, like, keep on practicing with people, find people to practice my English with. So I went online, found this really nice guy, started talking. And like after a few months, I started talking to his mother, you know, and then I'm like, okay, this is not going to be a serial killer if he's letting me talk to his mom. <laughs> so and then yeah after like a year of, of ex- exchanging messages and pictures of family and and like you know this person all like all about their life they know about your life and then I started going over there to, to see okay like are we gonna click if we meet in real life and we clicked yeah. and then one thing led to another and we started a relationship and then I ended up moving over there um, so I lived in the United States for seven years before I came back to Belgium and, um, 
yeah the thing is it starts really slow and it builds up gradually because nobody's gonna like get together with somebody and they're gonna be yeah. like punching you in the face and you're gonna be like oh yeah. i love you i'm gonna stay with you you don't do that but it starts super super gradually and you don't even realize it it starts with like angry comments and 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 then you're like oh wow that was kind of harsh and then they're like oh sorry sorry i'm i'm so sorry and then they behave extremely nice to compensate to kind of confuse and it's confusing because you're like yeah. oh i wasn't i was exaggerating i was imagining it uh and and so it went on like that for a while that he would get really mad at me and then say sorry i'm so sorry i'll never do it again and then he would do something really nice and then there would be like a week or two of really nice behavior and then it would go like it would be the opposite again he would get really mad and it would build up like that and um yeah until it just got out of control with with the anger and it got really bad after our daughter was born six years ago um yeah during the pregnancy itself he was on his best behavior he was super excited about becoming a father and um but the literally the moment that we came home with the baby it all changed like so a silly example like he was always like oh I'll change the diapers you just wake me in the night and I'll wait I'll change the diapers you do the feeding I'll change the diapers okay. so the first time I'm I'm like okay I have, we need to change her diaper you told me to wake you I'm waking you right now and he just completely lost it he, he's like why are you waking me leave me alone I'm trying to sleep I'm like Whoa, okay and I was so shocked like in shock that I, yeah. I didn't even know how to react so I was like, okay, that that's I'm just gonna do it myself because I don't want to deal with this every time I'm gonna ask you to change. So I did it myself, and then I basically just did everything myself, and uh, yeah, it kind of just spiraled on from there. Like another example, when she was the daughter, when my daughter was two and a half years old, it's like something silly. She likes this specific type of granola bars, like mm -hmm. she likes eating those in the morning. And we, we would always have them at the house and she would she would get one in the morning in her pajamas. She would eat that granola bar watching her favorite show on TV. I don't know. And then one morning we ran out of the granola bars, I guess, and, and we didn't get any at the store. That, that happens sometimes. That's the way life goes. And my daughter was crying. She's two years old. So I'm trying to explain to her that's part of life. Sometimes there's disappointment. And, and I'm yeah. trying to hold space for her emotions. Like, okay, I understand that you're upset about this, but there's nothing I can do about that right now. We will get someone, we go to the store. That's a normal, like, calm, balanced reaction. And he just, he freaked out. He, he started blaming me, started yelling at me over a granola bar. And it's your fault. Basically, it was all my fault. Mm -hmm. And he completely freaked out about, about these granola bars to the point that my daughter started crying. Like, now she's upset because you're yelling at me. She's way more upset now about you screaming at me than she was about not having her granola bar. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what what was like his his background? I mean, did he have a tumultuous childhood? Yeah, or some level he of trauma? he had um yeah he had well he was abused as a child by his own yeah. father, and yeah. and that's I kept making excuses for his behavior. I kept yeah. making those excuses, but of course now I know that that was not helping him or me, for yeah, for. Yeah making excuses for him because it, get, it kept getting worse and worse because then like one of the examples that where it really clicked for me that that I was able to see this is not normal anymore 
is one time he was in my face just screaming in my like just inches away from my face screaming and screaming and I had our daughter on my arm and I kept turning away from him so I kept turning away to kind of protect her and, and try to I tried to escape the situation but then he kept following me and blocking my my way so I couldn't leave the room and after 10 minutes of me staying calm with the baby on my arm and him screaming, I screamed back. I'm like, I can't take this anymore. And I started yelling at him and, and he got super quiet and he's like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? You're yelling with the baby on your arm. You're crazy. I'm going to have to take the baby away from you. And, and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, am I going crazy? What's going on? I'm like, what is happening right now? Yeah. I thought I was I going crazy. Like so common as well, like what you were saying about bit by bit. I call this like the process of boiling a toad. You know, you don't if you put the yeah. the toad in boiling water, they'd be like, oh holy hell, and they get out. You know, so that you increase the temperature, increase the temperature, and until it's and until you don't recognize what's happening to the point that all of a sudden you're in it. And once you're in it, it's very difficult to get out of it. Yeah, because you've gone through these processes of being traumatized of um, having stress reactions, which obviously debilitates your own confidence, your own self-esteem, your own capability and feeling that you can get out of it. Yeah. You know, you've, you've been demoralized, um, you know, to be saying like, oh, you, you'll never find anybody else. You'll never be able to have all these kind of tactics. And what's really quite devastating is actually that, it, you know, I've got a, I've got a podcast um, a video that's called like Hurts People Hurt People that explains this process. And it's like, you know, the damage is passed through families, you know, it's damaged through generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And if you don't heal your stuff, then you pass that on to your children and, and you hit, you pass the trauma onto the children and the trauma has to, the children have to carry that trauma and then they have to try and remedy it. And so, you know, what the work that I do with my clients is, is dealing with our burdens, dealing with our baggage and, and cleaning that up. So then you're not going around damaging everybody in your life. And the problem is, is, is for, for people who have grown up in traumatic homes, I mean, I have myself, you know, my trauma isn't my trauma. My trauma is my parents' trauma that they passed on to mm. me. Um, and it's the same process where, you know, you're raised by somebody who doesn't know how to heal themselves. And so they are um, traumatic to be around because of the behaviors like you're talking about with your, your ex-partner. Um, and so because they're incapable of healing their burdens and their baggage. They, they traumatize their children in the process of them being unhealed. And the children then have to take their trauma and pass it on. And what's devastating is that, you know, your, your ex-partner is a victim in a certain mm -hmm. circumstance, but then ends up becoming the perpetrator. And it's a devastating cycle to watch. And I've been part of it. You know, I, I'm party to it. And I'm, you know, I'm still, you know, there's still things that I need to heal, you know, that, that you know, hearing what you, you say, you know, I get triggered by some of these mm. things because you're like, oh, my God, you know, I completely feel where you're coming from. And, and you know, we can act in ways that we're not happy with because we've grown up in trauma, you know. And and it's for, for, the, for the person, I mean, to kind of turn it around a little bit to give some sympathy maybe for the, for the perpetrators is that, that they don't know any other way, you know. They've not been taught mm. any other way than are being abused and and therefore their approach is often abusive because they don't know any other way and it's like they're a victim in a, in a circumstance just as much as anybody else the same you know my, my father was abused and so he was abusive and you know it, it, it just keeps trickling on yeah. you know his mother was dropped outside in a box outside St. Bernardo's with her brother 
so she doesn't even have any understanding of who she was the level of trauma goes mm. you know back and back and back and you think whoever her mother was god knows what trauma she must have been going through to to leave your babies in a box outside yeah. the nunnery you know these these are the things that we we have to deal with is is generational trauma on 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 huge levels and i think something that i've been coping with with my life because i i've not always been you know i've been abusive i've been abusive in the past i've been not a nice partner to be around um i still have moments of it now uh you know when my partner has probably probably a lot to put up with with me because because of the ways that we kind of um because of the ways that i process information but the only thing that you can do really you know is try and catch yourself and mm. to recognize when you're not being nice you know the problem is it's like when you've been raised in a household that's not nice and everybody's not nice all the time mm. um you end up becoming the person who like for me um i got cut off a lot all the time when i was a kid so nobody ever listened to me i was never allowed to finish a sentence um you know and in my house it's who shouts the loudest uh gets heard you know um and and i find you know i've got this terrible habit of interrupting people and cutting people's ends of their sentences off because I, because I've got something that I feel, oh, I've got something that's mm. important that can help you. And I really want to say it. And so I kind of like butt in and you think, oh my God, you know, you're, you're, um, you're doing something that's not nice. You know, you're, you're taking away from that other person's opportunity to share. And these are like the little things that I talk about that I think, you know, I'm still, that I'm still working through. Um, but they're so deeply ingrained when you've been raised from it from day one to, to where you are now. You know, they're so deeply ingrained, it's, it's so difficult to get out of. And, and in some sympathy for, for other people who, who, who have experienced abuse, because this is the, you know, this is the tough, the really tough thing about it, is that it's not your fault that you are the way that you are. It's not your mm -hmm. fault that, you, you know, I wasn't asked to be born into the situation, your ex-partner wasn't asked to be born into no, the situation. Yeah. Um, and so he's got all of this baggage that he's carrying. I've got this baggage that I'm carrying that isn't really my baggage um and and i'm being traumatized by the actions of other people towards me but then also when you see yourself doing the same thing it's like it re-traumatizes you because you're you know like when i've not been very nice to partners previously um you know you think oh god you know what a hor you know I, like i've cheated my first partner i cheated on um because i didn't i didn't really know what love was and i didn't know how to I don't know. I didn't really know how to understand love. And so when I had it, I didn't think it was love and I didn't respect it. So I cheated on my first partner. I feel terrible about it now. Um, I didn't feel particularly good about it in the, in the, in, in, at the time. But um, you think, you know, you're traumatizing somebody. And then when you recognize that you've traumatized somebody because of your own trauma, it's like this horrible loop that goes round of being like, triggering your own self-esteem problems of being like i'm a terrible person mm. as well as recognizing that you know thinking oh my god i'm just like my mother my father mm. or whoever your abuser is and then recognizing that you've hurt another person through your trauma and it's this it's it, for, for for somebody who is traumatized through somebody else's trauma it's um it's a lot mm. it's a lot and and i think in recognizing that um in recognizing that is actually that probably almost the person that's traumatizing you is even more traumatized through their actions than you are and that 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 sounds kind of like um 
a bit mad maybe no I, but, I understand I completely you know yeah I can because it's not, I it's not yeah. to let them off it it's kind of understanding like actually how damaged that person yeah. is and when you can kind of understand how damaged the person is you can kind of pull yourself away from it a little bit recognize it's nothing mm. to do with you yeah and and try and leave that burden with them a little bit but like you say you can you can't fix these people they have to fix themselves it yeah. might not be their fault but it's their responsibility it sure as hell not yours to yeah. try and fix these people yeah and that that's one of the things that once that clicked in my head i that's what caused me to do a lot of healing realizing that that basically it's not my fault mm. i didn't like it's it's basically it's not their fault it's it's just something that that they they don't well they didn't have control over when they were growing up but they do have control over the present moment and the responsibility to change now like yeah they can they they can be in victim mode and say oh i i had a horrible childhood poor me this and that but that's not going to make you happy no, no, definitely not. I've got a podcast called, um, you know, The Crown of Victimhood, you know, and some people display these crowns, um, you know, uh, uh, as if it was a, as if it was a bloody prize or something. Yeah. You know? And it's like, this isn't, this isn't, a, you know, and they expect that because they've been traumatized that they can get carte blanche to behave however they want yeah, to but... behave. And it's, it's not, you know, you have to own your shit, you know, yeah. you have to, you have to you know, say that word, um, but you have to own it. You have to own your problems. Mm. You have to say, yeah, it's not my fault, but it sure as heck is your responsibility. Yeah. You need to deal with it. And, you know, I've been in, I've been in therapy, therapy on and off for over 15 years um, to deal with, to deal with the burdens that I was given. And I've had people, you know, people who have traumatized me in my life come up to me and say, oh, it's just so easy for you, you know? You, you know, you, 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 why can't, and, and be angry that I've kind of gotten to where I am. Yeah. You know, why can't I be like you? Well, you can't be like me because you haven't done the work. Yeah. Because you've not accepted responsibility for your trauma. It's like, just because you didn't create it, it doesn't mean that you're not carrying it mm -hmm. and it's not your problem. You know, if I, if I, if I, if I cut you, you know, it's my fault that I've cut you, but it's your responsibility to heal it. I can't, I can't do anything about that yeah. for you. If you, if you keep reopening that wound and going, you know, picking that scab yeah, up yeah, yeah. open and going, oh, well, it's, it's not my responsibility. You did this to me. Yeah. It's like, you know, just at some point, we all have to kind of have to hold our hands up and go, okay, take your, take your damn crown of victimhood off and recognize that mm. when you do that, when you become a victim, you give your power away to the perpetrator of your trauma. And then when you do that, you can't heal yourself. You know, and healing is a hard journey. I'm still healing now. Mm -hmm. I've been doing, you know, I had a nervous breakdown when I was 15. Um, and that was after 11 years of experienced trauma. First time I can remember a traumatic incident in my household, I was four years old. Um, and I've been experiencing trauma from, 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 from the age of four, probably before, but definitely I can remember from around the age of four. And I'm experiencing that when I had 11 years of it. And in my family, we were taught to kind of, you know, family problems are family problems. We'll keep it to ourselves. We were, I was very isolated as a child. I didn't really have any friends. Um, I've never had a, a birthday party as a child where friends came over or anything. And we were in a very, I was in a very privileged situation. We had a massive house, five acres of land. You know, it would have been ideal to have friends mm -hmm. over, but, you know, it wasn't, it, well, I wasn't allowed that. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, 
very very isolated and when you're in trauma when you're when everything is traumatic and that's the only thing you have other than going to school and at school I got quite badly bullied as well yeah. so it's trauma I remember it's from your podcast you, you were talking about that yeah then there's yeah, just no just place constant. where you can yeah it's just tension everywhere yeah and I, I had a nervous breakdown when I was 15 I, I my my I'd given you know I spent probably from at least the age of 11 wanting to commit suicide because I couldn't see any way out of this situation. I'd been in, been in severe, severe depression um, for a very long time. Um, and, and I got to sort of 15 and I just, I had a nervous breakdown. And that was, that was the beginning actually of me being able to work through some of my trauma because I, ironically, the nervous breakdown gave me a breath of air. It, it stopped, my brain basically just broke. Um, and I stopped to be able to feel um, like I, I had this, I had, the, it was like, it just went on overload and I short circuited. Yeah. And then after my nervous breakdown, it was just like, I had this, it was a very short respite, maybe, maybe a few days, maybe a week. I don't know. Um, very, very hazy around that time to be honest, but, um, where I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. You know, my, my mum could have died and I would have just been like, numb yeah it just was numb and actually it was really joyful really because when you've been feeling so much and there's been so much trauma it's, it's enjoyable to have that respite it was like a holiday you know yeah um, that's kind of what that, happened but... to me in 2016 I had this very similar experience but that was after my my ex-husband like the behavior I was mentioning before but it started getting worse and worse uh like a few incidents just off the top of my head my daughter was about two years old and I was putting her in the back seat in, of the car in the parking lot in her car seat and for yeah. some reason I, something I said triggered my ex-husband to the point where he started screaming I put yeah. my daughter in the back seat and I was about to walk around the back of the car to the front to get in and he just drives off with with my daughter in the back seat and he decides to just pull off of the parking lot and leave me in the parking lot So I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? He's just driving off and leaving me yeah. here. And then uh, another thing was when he was, uh, we were on the freeway and he started screaming at me in the car because yeah. I would because I wouldn't tell him uh, that was around the time when I was consider like I was thinking about leaving him and he started asking me, so what are you doing? Are you leaving me? What are, what are you going to do? And I didn't want to talk about it. I was, I was like, no, I don't want to talk about this right now. You're driving. I don't want to have this conversation in the car and he said you're gonna answer me right now or I'm gonna drive us off of this bridge and, and we're all gonna die or some I don't know something like that so and then another incident where on Christmas day with his mom he thought he got into an argument with his mom his mother yeah. barricaded herself in the bedroom and he punched a hole in the bedroom door My daughter I mean, starts is it, screaming. Is it, is yeah, it, his father was very traumatized, so his mum was maybe allowing him to continue yeah. that behavior. It Definitely, like the mother was yeah. playing that role of of being the the, the, the person that he victimized mm. in a way. Yeah, you know? and it's like like you saying, you know, we have people in our lives that allow us to have these behaviors to continue because we're not they don't call them out on it. Mm -mm. You know, because they give them carte blanche. Definitely, to carry on yeah. Behaving, and she know? didn't it's know like, any better. She thought she was helping him, but what she was doing, she was basically making excuses for him and um yeah it's around that time i i got really numb and i decided it's better to not feel anything because feeling hurts too much yeah 
and then I didn't feel anything. The only person that I allowed myself to have feelings with was my daughter, but any anything else was just numb and shut shut off. So yeah, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, when you, it's particularly, you know, I think you're, you know, you're very empathic. You're somebody that has spiritual gifts, and I think you find this, um, you know, very common. You know, we were going to talk about the narcissist and the empath, mm. um, because they can just feed off you all the time. And the thing about being an empath um, is that you you do quickly give people that carte blanche. I mean, I I literally just did it a minute ago, <laughs> and said, you know, but you have to understand the reason why they're feeling this is because of this and, and actually you have to feel sorry for them because they're worse off than you are I mean I just did it and I know that I know that I've done this and yes that's true yes that's a truthful statement but if you keep saying that you keep doing that and not holding people to um to account for their behaviors actually mm-hmm. what you're doing is is creating a, a you know a massive rod for your back because you're ba- you you teach people how they can treat you, yeah. you know, and, and for empaths, um, you know, empaths, I, I, I mean, I've got a whole load of shit on top of being an empath, but, you know, you have to, you have to work really hard at having boundaries mm. because we're often very yeah. open and we want to help everybody. So if you've got that on top of layers of trauma where you've not been taught self-care and not been taught boundaries, mm-hmm. then, then good luck. It's bloody difficult. Yeah. You know? And I've attracted quite a few narcissists into my life. Uh, I mean, you know, and 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 I, I I deal with a lot of narcissists in general, um, as through 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 uh, I don't want to name name people, but yeah, you because know, they might watch this. But through through having to have contact with people, um, <laughs> and um, you know, and you think you the thing about it is the empath does validate these feelings. It does validate the pain that these people are going through because we understand, and because we're empathic, mm-hmm. we we feel what they're feeling. It's like, oh my God, I can feel your yeah. pain. And you try and to help, help them. them. You want to heal them. You want yeah. to try. Yeah. But the thing is, you, they have to heal themselves and you can't do it for for them. They have to want to heal. And once I saw that, then, then I was able to take distance because like at first I was really numb. Like I allowed myself to not feel anything. And then yeah. after a while of not feeling, it's like a champagne bottle. That, that you pop and it just the champagne comes flying out of the bottle that's basically mm-hmm. what happened to me so after a whole period of time of just being numb not feeling and and even thinking like oh what would be a quick way to kill myself like yeah what would be the fastest way to kill myself so i would not suffer that's not normal that's not normal to think stuff like that i had my two-year-old yeah. daughter and i'm like that's the only reason that i probably didn't do it because i had my daughter and then after a few months of just thinking, okay, how should I kill myself? And, you know, I was like, okay, um, something has to change. This can't go on forever or I'm going to die. I'm just going to collapse. My body, is go- something's going to happen and I'm just going to, I don't know. And, and around that time, I had, like, I used to always be psychic as a child. I had psychic abilities and uh, I was very spiritual growing up. And then I just shut all of that down. I shut it yeah. down for like a decade. I said, I'm not feeling anything anymore. I'm done with feeling all this stuff. It's too much. So for 10 yeah, years, yeah. I didn't feel anything. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to be normal. I'm going to just have a normal life. I'm not going to feel all these things. I'm going to put this big wall up and not feel. But then all these gifts, basically, I had this, this champagne bottle effect where the, the cork 
came like came off and all champagne champagne started flying everywhere basically uh like my spiritual gifts came online again and i started feeling everything again and it's like i was able to see timelines timelines for me timelines for my husband for my daughter like what would happen if i stayed in the relationship and what would happen if i leave for all people involved and mm -hmm. it, and if i stayed i would have become his mother My daughter okay. would have become him. And I was like, no, that can't happen. The moment I saw that, I like, I saw everything crystal clear. And I knew, okay, I have to go. I have to leave the situation. And I have to make, I have to, that's my choice that I have to make right now. I have to leave. Because if I go, then I will thrive. My daughter will thrive. And it will be better for him. Because he mm. will receive a lesson that he would, he, nobody's ever given him before. Mm. He's going to see that that behavior needs to change and nobody is going to keep telling him that it's okay to behave this way because it's not. And I was the first person in his whole life to tell him, no, it's not okay to treat people like And, and the, yeah, it's, it's funny it's because... Big, it's a big lesson, isn't it? Especially when you've got a daughter involved. I mean, I, I've just seen this um, almost play out with me and my, one of my ex-partners. And, and um, you know, he, he was... Uh, he's not a bad man he had some trauma himself um and and kind of like we kind of were, we had very similar timelines really and i think that you know i think that we we broke up and 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 he tried to come back to me and i was like you know this uh, this isn't going to work and obviously I, i'm engaged to another man now but it's this it's this feeling that he i felt that he feels that he could have just come and picked me back up and i would have been waiting for him um and 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 no and i think that i could see the similarities really between my mother and the, my mother and father's relationship where actually when you decide to um like put them before you you know and i mm -hmm. think that this is a really common thing is where we say oh well they're suffering and so i'm I'll, i'll suffer instead of them because that's kind um and so we kind of do this in empath do that like okay you're being abusive to me but i feel, i see that you're in pain so i'm going to allow it And what we're doing is we're putting somebody ahead of ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's like that, that, that ideology of like put your own oxygen mask on before you serve anybody else because you, mm. you can't do anything for anybody else. And I think, you know, when I had this in my experience of this moment of when, um, you know, when he came back to me and was like, you know, I love you, I miss you. And I was just kind of like, that's great, but you're too late, mate, you know? Mm. And, and it was like, it was, you know, it was two years too late. Um, and I could have. I could have destroyed my whole life and my whole world to, to come back to him. And, and I could see this, like you say, like the timelines, mm. I could see this timeline that had been going through, through generations of my family um, where people had, had foregone their own safety, foregone their own uh, like, uh, happiness to, to try and make somebody else happy and where that had led them. And it had led them to, to, to violence and devastation, abandonment, low self-esteem, abuse. And it's just like, I could see it and I could see it so clearly. And it's like, although part, you know, part of me, part of me at the time was like, oh my God, you know, I, I still love him. I, I want to go back. But, and then the other part of me was like, what the, what the hell are you doing? Mm. Because there's a, there's a part of you that's traumatized that for me, abandonment is one of my big issues. You know, when people abandon me, because I've been abandoned time and time again and you know traumas of you know people who who were um like lifelines to me as a child 
um, who died when I was like eight, you know, my grandfather died when I was eight and this other piles of trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And it was like people that signified sort of freedom and love that didn't come with abuse um then dying it's kind of like that's even more traumatic when you're in when you're in a situation where there's there it is abusive and um i'm not saying i wasn't loved you know there was a lot it could have been a hell of a lot worse than what it was but um that's like an adult mind looking back at it as a child it was really messed up and it really messed me up um but you could kind of see this this pathway that kind of that went on and and because i felt so abandoned by my ex-partner um and it was at a time where it was really really traumatic for both of us for, for personal reasons but like it was it, you know he abandoned me in that moment and it was really triggering for me and then when he came back it was that kind of val- validation again that like it wasn't something that was wrong with me you know it wasn't that I was the wrong thing and you but you see this so often with these with these um with these relationships of narcissist and empath and 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 people that have been abused coming to other people that haven't and, and so on, or people two people that have been abused that come together in a hope that they can fix each yeah. other and it, all it does is it triggers yeah. each other's wounds and you see these these like you say these timelines that play out that have been playing for hundreds of thousands of years mm. in this dalliance of trauma that continues because people don't want to don't want to own their shit they don't want to go like mm. this is my problem i have to fix it because yeah. they want somebody else to fix them and it goes back to that original point about toxicity and culture of saying oh i'm meeting my other half i'm finding my soulmate and, yeah. and all this other nonsense and it's like this stuff that almost uh, sometimes we try and trick ourselves with you know i sometimes think oh maybe my ex is my twin flame and that's why we do this thing and it's just like just stop trying to trick yourself laura into into entering back into trauma and um because it feels safe this is the thing for me it's familiar yeah trauma and abuse feels safe you know um and and so when when i have that when i have this um very traumatic up and down for me that feels like normality um and then normality feels kind of boring yeah that's what you were saying in your your podcast episode i think that was your your episode where you were saying like what normal people would experience as stressful you experience as normal or like mildly stressful you're like oh that's not a big deal that's normal that's not stressful but like that's actually stressful but that that just goes to show you what under what kind of stress constant chronic stress you you were as a child if you consider stress to be normal i mean it really messes you up i mean i suppose it's a way you know for some people if you imagine you've been to war and you've you've been in a wartime situation you really understand what true stress and true anxiety is and it's like you've had your system calibrated to a different level than most normal people you know when you go to work and your boss says to you oh i'm a bit worried about your work most people would consider that as like they're oh i'm really stressed at this current moment in time for me, I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? That's like a good day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like somebody, somebody's not screaming in your face. Yeah, exactly. Your eye, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good day. Um, and and the, but the problem as well with that is that because people who've been traumatized have got a different calibration to it, that they experience like 
you know, it took you to go to a, to that level for him to understand that the behavior wasn't suitable. And at that point, he was re- he was like traumatized by you because yeah. he was like because he was like being re-traumatized by your aggression. Like, oh my god, I feel like a little boy again. You're my father. And at that point, he recognizes the toxicity of the situation. But it's like it's so. I mean, I don't know what the what the answer is other than really just working on yourself. I mean, sometimes I think to myself that maybe I can't be in relationships with people, and maybe maybe people who have been through trauma um, can't be with other people because it takes um, it takes a lot on a daily basis. You know, if you're you know if you're with somebody who's normal, my partner's incredibly normal. Um, <laughs> You know, he's not had any trauma. I said to him the other day, what's like the most traumatic thing that you've ever been through? And he sort of said, oh, he had arguments with his brother when he was little. And I was like, <laughs> like how can you yeah. relate to that? I'm like, he's so normal. Like, he's, and, and like, I, I, I'm jealous of it at points because I see how normal his parents are and how normal his relationships are. And I just think like, oh my God, I wish I'd had that. You know, um, obviously I can't, I wouldn't be able to help anybody if I... If yeah, that's the, the thing. We, we go through these experiences so that we can help people because we've gone through these experiences. And that's yeah. that's the thing. Um, people, yeah, you posted a video on Instagram, I think, um, a few days ago, where you said that one of your clients was surprised yeah. that you... You didn't always have it together every day. That's the thing. No. We're not perfect. I still don't. I still don't. But like you say, because of that calibration, I mean, you know, during lockdown, lockdown's been pretty tough. And actually, I've had like sat and returned to my sign. And at points, I've been really, really depressed, like seriously quite depressed. But for me, me, my idea of like what most people would say, like serious depression, where I've kind of been thinking like maybe I just, um, you know, you get a moment where you just think, oh, I'll just kill myself. That will fix it. You know, and you think, well, that's not, you know, for most people would be like, that's a real trigger that, that you're not normal right now. But for me, because it's like, because it's like a, you know, a, a, an hour or something, I feel like that. And then I can pull myself back yeah, out of it, yeah. you know, whatever. Because of that, I kind of, it kind of um, makes you think, oh no, it's nothing, you know? And because I've, because I've been, had a nervous breakdown, being suicidal, being a self-harmer, being really, really bad. You know, if you're thinking, well, I'm not doing that, I'm okay. But your my my this end of this is so extreme yeah, yeah. compared to most other people. If I said to people, you know, or why or, or I had a, a week where I was feeling like really overwhelmed and I didn't feel very good and I was crying, and then people would be like, "Oh my god, you 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 you're suffering from depression," and I'd be like, "No, don't be so stupid." Like from my point of view, I'm just like, yeah, because you because <laughs> you've experienced real depression, so it's all about yeah. perspective. Yeah. yeah, but it's, I mean, it is problematic, I think, because, like, you know, returning back to those people who are abusive is because most people who are abusive have experienced such levels of abuse is they don't really think that their abuse is abusive in a way mm. because it's because they their their level of abuse. You know, if you've if you've been raped, tortured, you know, attacked and brutalized and then somebody comes and punches you on the arm, you know, that's like nothing that seems mm. friendly that seems jovial but if you've if you've grown up in this friend you know in this home where nobody's ever touched you and you've always been cosseted mm. and and that isn't appropriate somebody punches you in the arm that could be for you the most violent thing that you've ever experienced and i think the problem is for people who have been traumatized and that have been abused themselves um they they don't see their behavior as abusive because their calibration yeah. is so extreme you know I've got a person in my life that um, I said to said to you're an alcoholic, and um, his mother was an alcoholic, 
um, who was who was who was ill at one point. We used to hide alcohol in cisterns and, and like proper proper alcoholics. Yeah. You know what you think of an alcoholic? That's one of them. And and when I said that to, to him, I was like, "You're an alcoholic." He laughed at me because he was like, he had this, not, "Yeah, you know, I'm not an alcoholic." What the hell are you on about? Because his idea of an alcoholic mm-hmm. is so extreme, he can't recognize his own levels of um, of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. You know, and we do that. You know, if you grow up with a with a parent who's a heroin addict. And you're you're using alcohol. If you're drinking alcohol every night, if somebody said to you you're an addict, you would you would laugh. You'd be like, "What the heck is wrong with you? You want to see an addict? I'll show you." An yeah, addict. yeah. And they'd show you their example of one. But just because your behavior, your bad behavior, isn't as bad as um, somebody who's abused you in your life, it doesn't mean that your behavior isn't isn't abusive. And I think that that's the problem. Is that a lot of people can't deal with the introspection and, and for me I, I, I and maybe I'm not I don't know sometimes I confuse myself as to whether maybe I'm being too introspective and too harsh on myself and and I don't really have a true understanding of what my behavior is because my calibration is wrong or or, or is that a get out card that I use to, to excuse some of my bad behavior and this is the problem is that I think sometimes you need an outsider expect uh, an outsider perspective to be able to go up to to be able to have somebody that you truly trust that isn't going to gaslight you, isn't going to manipulate you, isn't going to turn things on you. And uh, and the problem is that I've had in relationships with people who are abusive is they have turned it around on me, and because I'm introspective and aware of my own mm-hmm. problems and my own baggage, it's been easy for me to take it on as it's yeah. me, and it's not them. And, and, and that's, that's massively problematic and particularly brings into, you know, why people who have been abused, who, who, who are, you know, more likely to be abused again is because of that, is because they're much more likely to, you know, people who have healed a little bit, like, you know, they're more likely to have relationships with people because they're more likely to be empathic towards those problems. And they're also more likely and easier to gaslight. Yeah. Because when somebody says to you, oh, it's your fault, you know, you know, you're nuts. You know, I've yeah. had people that have turned my own mental health crises on back on me. You know, you know you're nuts. You've been in therapy for 15 years. And you think, well, I've been, you, you know, and you're like, oh, well, I know. Well, and then and then you think, well, maybe I am mad. Yeah, you, know, you start a, thinking a, that, that you're the... It's like that that um, so that example of what the the story I told you where I had my daughter on my arm and, and um, my husband, well, ex-husband now, He started yelling in my face and then I screamed back after 10 minutes of just taking his, his screaming at me. I fi- finally screamed back and then he got he was like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you're crazy. You're yelling with the baby on your arm. You're crazy. You can't have this kid on your arm. I'm going to take her away from you, blah, blah, blah. So what what did that do to me? Because I had um, not the greatest childhood either. My mother's solution was to scream at me and yell and blame me for a lot of stuff. I got yeah. blamed for a lot of things, well, for everything, basically. And yeah, so... The universe is giving you the same experience. It's with, that level of unhealed trauma, isn't it? That yeah. That you, you perpetuate it. You bring yourself back in. And then it. he tells me, oh, you're crazy. You can't, you can't yell with this kid on your arm. And I was like, oh, my God, he's right. I'm turning into my mother. What am I doing? I'm not a good mom, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I start talking. Like, all these voices in my head are saying, oh, he's right. I can't, I'm not a good mom. I screamed I have, while I have this baby on my arm. Oh, no. Uh, I can't take care of my child. All this stuff went when I was really actually a super good mom for 10 minutes before I screamed because 
I stood there and I kept calm. I tried to escape the situation. I tried to take my child out of the situation, but he wouldn't let me. And then after yeah. 10 minutes, but that that's the thing. Those 10 minutes are out the window because all I remember yeah. is, is, oh, I'm crazy. Because he, tell, he told me I'm crazy, so I must be crazy. That's interesting. I'd never thought of like, I like that where you say, you know, you throw out the good um, for the piece of bad. And I think that when you've been, when you've, been growing up in traumatic traumatic situations often part of your inner monologue is that you're not good enough you're not good enough and everything that you do is wrong because that's basically what you've been told um and so you know I, i'm very quick to do that i'm very judgmental of myself um you know the reason why i probably work as hard as i do and and have have been as successful as i have been in my life um you know is because <laughs> it's because i'm very bloody judgmental of myself and i'm a perfectionist and i think you know, I think it's what's really important is to recognize that if you have been through these levels of trauma is to try and be a little bit kinder to yourself mm. and, and recognize like, did, like what you just said there, you know, did, did I, did I crack? Did, was my, was all my actions? Because I think once something as well as that black and white thinking, you know, is very common. It's like, everything's all bad or everything's all mm. good. And actually it's not, you know, it's very many shades of, of gray and and you know i think it's recognizing is like um being being able to sit down and have the introspection instead of just automatically going into those inner monologues that were given to you by somebody else this trauma is thinking you know how what did i do that was good you know did i do anything good in this situation have i got anything to be proud of in this situation and i think yeah everybody's got their cracking point and you know this is why it's so important that if you if you are in in um toxic situations that you that you get yourself out of them because at some point you will be pushed to behave in a way that you don't want to be uh, behaving, you yeah. know, and, and we've all got a breaking point and it, you know, this is where, you know, you have crimes of passion where somebody has been abused for years and then suddenly they murder yeah. their husband and, and, and you think with this poor person, they, you know, they've gone through all this level of trauma and, and then suddenly they've, they, through, 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 really no fault of their own really other than awareness to get out mm -hmm. and that's said than done you know because of all that boiling the toad and, and being yeah. kind and, and and empathy and and, and the gaslighting yeah yeah and the gaslighting that goes on to make you feel like it's all your fault but uh it is it is very difficult but we need to you know you need to have the forethought to to maybe not take so much internally that that and particularly if you've been somebody that's been traumatized traumatized is is recognizing what's your trauma and what's theirs. I think that's something really important is trying to think about like, what, what did I do? What was actually something that I had created? And, you know, if I, you know, if I, if I, if I'm mean, uh, and I mean, because of a reason, you know, my, I might not say things as nicely or as kindly as I want to, because of the because of the programming that I've had. Mm -hmm. But then I could just say to myself, I could completely invalidate my point and be like, you're just a horrible person. Or I could say, well, actually I was mean because this person did this thing and it wasn't all me. There was a situation that led up to it. And, and you know, sometimes I do that and I think to myself, you know, am I giving myself carte blanche? But I think well, if you're always questioning it and certainly having somebody in your life that you can go to and maybe explain the situation of what happened, get some balanced opinion of you you know my, my partner's very balanced and if I think to myself that I'm being you know if I say to him like oh I think I'm because I'll see something I, I was watching a film yesterday I'd be a narcissist and I was like oh my god I'm a narcissist <laughs> and then and then I, I get into this loop of like I am this and and actually I'm not that it's that I'm traumatized and that 
that, um, you know, I think that, and because I'm very introspective, it's easy to pick out all of your behaviors and assume that that's how you are all the time. But actually, it's, that's not truthful. Um, and and I'll, I'll go to my partner and be like, do you think I'm this? And he's like, no, you're a nut job. Like, you, what are you on about? <laughs> like, all, you're like, literally, you spend all your time trying to help people. How could you be a narcissist? Or how could you be? But it's because of this, this I suppose, almost like a, a heavy fear of, of um, becoming the thing that you're desperate not to become. Yeah. And so you, you, you become so um, paranoid, really, um, and as soon as I see any any glimmer of bad behavior from myself, um, I panic mm. because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm I'm this person in my life. I'm that person in my life. I'm doing the same as this person. And and I think the problem is, is that as well, because because my calibration has been so extreme, I've got so much more evidence to pick up on, whereas most normal people, you know, normal life to them is just kind of normal. Uh, and they wouldn't pick up on little little kind of like minutiae points of things and, and whereas I pick up on those little minutia points and thinking like oh my god that means you're a sociopath that means you're a sociopath. <laughs> you know and it's, it's and, and you're like and then you start to kind of look for other stuff and it becomes confirmation bias you know and that's something I, I certainly struggle with and I think maybe sometimes a little bit of knowledge is kind of dangerous for people who who are empathic and frightened of becoming um becoming like their abusers mm. um you know and, and also very kind of perfectionist traits uh, you know, and that's something I, I, you know, like I was saying, quite transparent, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, I'm just fixed and I don't have any problems. And that's just nonsense. You know, I work really hard to have a good day. Mm. I work really hard to make sure that I, that I don't fall into these traps, because once you've been damaged to the level that I've been damaged, it is very difficult to live a normal life. But, um, but it doesn't mean it's impossible, you know, and I'd rather try than and mm. give up and that's you know, see that's the thing because <laughs> you're you're taking responsibility for your own behavior yeah and, and that's yeah. the thing if nobody ever tells you or, or shows you the boundaries then you're not going to see that you're doing that you're crossing a boundary mm. Mm. somebody you has know, to be willing to show you yeah. yeah how did you i mean you say you're putting boundaries in place with your partner i mean what what experience do you have with putting boundaries in place because it's really difficult particularly if you've been traumatized I yeah think. well i had to set a boundary in a very radical way that i wouldn't really recommend <laughs> i i literally took my daughter and left the country mm. because i was scared for my safety so i had to take her and leave And I, I, I had to do it this way. And then after a period of completely no contact, we started talking. And he had also realized because of the no contact, because of, of the, the way I left, he realized he, he could see everything from a different perspective. He said, okay, I'm in counseling. I realized that, that the way I treated you was completely horrible. And he admitted to me, he said, I have to work on myself. I want to be there for my child. And now they, they are in contact. They talk to each other online through video chat. And I can tell he's been working on himself. But I know if I yeah. would have never set that boundary, he would have never worked on himself the way he's yeah. doing right now. So I know that in the end, what I did was necessary for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be the trigger point for people to start. And and I think what's, what's, um, what is also to be wary of is, is that people lie as well. You know, and I think that, um, you know, I will say that... Uh, words are cheap actions speak 
mm. you know and if you if, the, if people come back to your life and they say oh i've been in therapy i've done loads of work on myself mm. and they are exactly the same mm. this, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they're saying it doesn't matter what they're doing you know if i'd been through 15 years uh, of stuff and and had turned out to be psychopathic you know i could go and <laughs> you know i could pretend i'm going to have have more you know yeah. i'm speaking to people i'm doing this and then come back and and you trap people and it's another form of gaslighting people to bring you know to bring them back into your lives and this is very common of narcissists to tell lies to try and make you feel sympathetic for them you know to tell you what a terrible time they're having um, to come up with you know all sorts of things you know people who are really quite psychopathic pretending they've got cancer all these sorts yeah. of things to try and bring people back into their lives. And then, you know, what you've got to do is make sure that you've always got really strong boundaries and, and very quick to cut off. If you see that, if you see that they're the same and nothing has changed, then you, it's cut, cut off mm -hmm. again. It's time, like you haven't changed, you know, and I think that with that's really important is saying that, you know, words are cheap because you can say anything. I can say sorry and then punch you in the face again. I can say, oh, I'm really sorry yeah, I did that. Exactly. Like you said with your ex-partner, you know, they put this good behavior on for a while. They love bomb mm. you for a bit. Yeah. And they draw, they draw you back into it. And then once they feel that they, they're secure again and that they've drawn you back into their nonsense, they're back to the bad behavior mm. again. And the only thing that can stop that isn't you trying to change them, isn't you it, being with them. It's you putting a boundary in place to say that this isn't happening mm. because the only ring fence you can put around your safety with a lot of these people is, is isolation from them. Yeah. And, and it's a really tough one, particularly if that's, you know, if it's a parent or a brother or a sister or somebody that is your family member, because it's like, that's really hard or somebody that you love because you want to be with them. But you, you know, you, you have to have these boundaries in place. And like you say, recognizing that putting those boundaries in place actually, um, actually serves you um it's it's it starts the the healing of the trauma and and hopefully for them it will trigger um a self-analysis and introspection in their lives to recognize that that their behavior isn't on you know and they can't mm. keep behaving that way um so i think strong you know for people listening that want something that's that's actually helpful um is is is, is owning your own stuff um and recognizing what is yours and what is theirs um trying to have a balanced friend that you can go to uh, to speak to what is you know is, is do you think this is normal do you think that's not normal because often when we're being abused we don't talk to our friends about mm. it because we're embarrassed yeah and actually we don't want them to hear how badly we're being treated we don't want them to hear because we're embarrassed that we're allowing these things to continue and and often I you know I say I've got a podcast about domestic violence but in the silence the violence is allowed to continue because mm -hmm. uh, if I, you know, uh, this is what I experienced when I was kids, you know, don't air your dirty laundry. And so because you don't, don't go and talk to people, you don't realize it's normal. Um, you realize it's not normal. Sorry. You know, I didn't realize that everybody else's mummies and daddies weren't like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so it's really important to, to have a friend who's balanced that you can, you can work out uh, whether what's normal, what's not normal. Having that strong boundaries that we put in place and, and, and working on yourself, work on yourself, your self-esteem to ensure that when it's wrong, you can say this is wrong and you can step away from it. Yeah, and a lot of the times that's the problem. Like in my case, because I was already in a different country, I, I was already isolated from my family. But then I had like made a few friends over there. I got a few friends that I really liked spending time with. But then my husband would find ways to like 
sneak in comments here and there to make me think that they were no good. Like, oh, they're not real yeah. friends. They're not really your friends. They're, they're this, they're that. And I started believing him. So in the end, I was completely isolated from friends and family. So yeah. that's what they do. They'll try to yeah. completely isolate you so that you can only believe them. Yeah, but this easy, isn't it? I mean, I was isolated as a child um, because I couldn't see what normality was and I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and, and when you do that, you know, abusers do that is they isolate you from everybody else. And so nobody can call you out on it and say, you know, what, what's happening here is, is, is wrong. <laughs> um, you know, because we're, like it is that calibration when you've got something that looks very normal. Like, you know, I left my partner very, very normal, um, very normal childhood. Uh, you know, you think, God, that's so normal. Um, when you see something that's very normal, it gives you that complete disparity between what, what, exactly. what you've got and what you haven't got. Yeah. And I think that, I think violence is really important. Having a trusted friend that you can go up to. And if you're, if you're somebody, you know, if you're a narcissist who's listening to this, if you're somebody who's abusive listening to this, you know, is recognizing that the, the responsibility falls on your shoulders. And yeah, it wasn't your fault, but tough sugar, honey, you've got to go mm. and deal with it and you have to go and do the work. And I think that, you know, we could, we could, we could pretend that it's not our fault and it's not our responsibility and we could go and we can go and we can go and kind of carry on and just hope for the best but you can't you know you have to go and deal with deal with your trauma and it, it, it's not just people who have been you know growing up in traumatic situations you know you yourself have, have probably got post-traumatic stress disorder mm. from the situations that you've been through and so it's like this is, i say to my clients that trauma is like tar and it gets on everybody's hands. And once you touch it, you got it on your hands. And then anything you go and touch, you put tar on. And so it's our responsibilities to mm. clean up, you know. And we have to clean up. We have to clear up that energetic tar of trauma um, to stop ourselves going around ruining everything that we've got in our lives. You know, and it is a process. It's not that you can go in therapy for a year and then suddenly you're fixed. I've been in and out for 15 years. And I will happily go back tomorrow if I recognize something in myself I'm not happy with. And, and I think that that's the importance is it's a process. And, and, you know, when people say, oh, why can't it be like you? It's because you haven't done the work. You haven't done the work mm -hmm. to heal your shit and you need to do that. And when you take, and it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to go and say, you know, I don't like this bit about myself. I don't like that, that that was painful, that this was painful. Yeah. But we have to recognize those things and we have to call out its name. And once you've done that, it can transmute into being something positive where you can go and help other people. That's what I do. And now if you ask me, you know, I mean, some days, yeah, I'd be like, oh, I just don't want to be me anymore. <laughs> and then other days, I'm like, God, I'm so glad I'm me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, we have our ups and downs, but it's important about um, focusing on the more ups than there are the downs. And, and if you're having more downs than ups, then, you know, you need to go and do some work on yourself, mm -hmm. find somebody professional that can help you, that can help to transmute some of that trauma into something positive than, than something negative, you know, and that's really important. And it's a choice too, in a way you have to make the choice to want to be healthy, to want to be happy. It's a choice every day. And you, you're the only one who can make that choice for you. No, nobody else can make that choice. And the other day, no, a few days ago, I actually got a comment from somebody said, oh, you're always on a, a fluffy cloud. I'm like, well, it took me a very long time to get up here on this fluffy cloud and it's awesome up here. So, <laughs> but I didn't just get up here. I had to work really hard to get on this fluffy cloud. <laughs> it's really difficult. And I think that, you know, um, like we, we do work really hard. And I often say to my clients, you know, it's about a process of catching yourself because depression and um, trauma and stuff is a little bit like having your toe in a lake. 
you know, and if you're leaning over and putting your toe in that lake, it's easier for you to fall in. Um, and so, you know, it is that kind of process of recognizing when you're putting your toe <laughs> in that lake of depression and, and pulling yourself back out of it um, as, as quickly as possible to, to put those uh, techniques and, um, you know, meditation, self-care processes, whatever it is that you use to help to pull yourself back up out of it to, mm -hmm. to in, in place to help to heal yourself. And, and it is a process of hard work. It is a process of catching yourself when you're, you know, for me, when I'm not doing as much self-care as I need to, or when I'm putting other people before me, or I'm being a workaholic or whatever my things are that I tend to do when I'm stressed um, as distractions, you know, I'm recognizing that in myself and then going like, oh, hang on a minute, that what I'm doing isn't helpful. It's making the situation worse and catching myself before the situation is really worse. Um, and I think that is the process of healing, really. So when people look from the outside and they're like, oh, you're always positive, you're always happy. Like, well, yeah, I'm not going to show you me crying in my bathroom thinking like, should I just hang myself now? You know, you don't see that on no. a social media. No, you, you don't, you don't do that. Vulnerable. People, that's the thing with social media. <laughs> you only see people's good times. You don't see their bad times. No, and I think that we've got to be, you know, and this is why I posted that thing on, on Facebook the other day was having that transparency that people recognize actually, you know, healing isn't about never having trauma. Healing isn't about never feeling happy uh, never feeling sad anymore because that's toxic positivity and i got into that point you know when my ex-partner broke up with me i didn't tell anybody about it because i was like i ain't telling nobody i'm not recognizing that i'm gonna manifest him back i remember i, I, I heard back. that on one on one of your episodes you were telling yeah i remember that was funny when <laughs> I, I manifested him back two years later in yeah. the middle of a load of crap that caused me a load of problems so be careful what you wish for people <laughs> but um you know it is it is about recognizing that and it is like you can't come into this toxic positivity human beings are uh, are the duality mm -hmm. you know our universe is about duality it is about the up and the down and the sad and the happy and you wouldn't have you know the darkness without the light you wouldn't have without the happiness mm -hmm. and so it is about having that but it isn't about bathing in it you know wallowing in it um no. and just saying you know i'm going to just wallow in this misery for the sake of it it's about recognizing you know, for me, oh my God, I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really depressed. Why do I feel this? What's going wrong at this moment to make me feel this thing? And maybe it's because <clears throat> somebody's triggered me. Maybe it's because I'm lacking on self-care. Maybe it's because I, I you know, I, have, I haven't slept enough or whatever the, pro the process is. Mm -hmm. And instead of it being like, oh my God, I'm in abject depression. I'm like, okay, let's try and be practical about this and put some techniques into place to raise myself up and bring my energy up. And actually... You know, going back to what I was saying before, you know, when I do have these blue days, I am able to pull myself out of it quicker. And it doesn't escalate to being something that's, um, you know, months and years and stuff because I put those things in place. And so, you know, it's it's important. So, you know, techniques, pull those things yourself, find, find some friends and, that can call you out on your own burdens, your own stuff. But don't accept anything less than um, kindness than respect and and you know that going back to back to the bible you know treat treat others how you want to be treated mm -hmm. and if you're not doing that you need to question why and if it's because you weren't treated that way it doesn't matter you need to find a way to, to heal that so you're yeah. not being it's about learning to choose yourself yeah you have to you have to also realize that you are worth being treated well you are worth being loved you are worth uh, every good thing in the world you have to also realize that you deserve love you deserve happiness 
And until you realize that, you're sometimes not going to make the choice to find someone that will treat you this way. But once you start realizing that, then you're not going to settle for anything less anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And what a place to, to, to leave it there as well. I think, you know, making sure that we recognize that mm -hmm. everything, all of this starts in self-love. Because if you don't love yourself enough, then you are more likely to treat people badly because you don't know what love looks like. Um, you know, if you don't love yourself enough, then you're more likely to allow people to treat you badly. And this is where these cycles are allowed to continue. So, you know, start with self-love, start with, with, um, with <clears throat> looking at you and recognizing that really there's nothing wrong with you other than the fact that you're carrying a load of trauma on your shoulders for a lot of people. Um, and, and work on those ways of, of loving yourself and actually showing, showing up to the world in a, in a loving way as well. And when we can do that, when we love ourselves... You know, I say, if you only half love yourself, you can only half love everyone mm -hmm. else. So it's like, if you fully love yourself, then you show up to the world as somebody like that. And, and you don't, you're not spiteful. You're not traumatized. You're not traumatic to be around. You're not vicious and vile towards people because <clears throat> you're not vicious and vile towards yourself, yeah. traumatizing yourself. And so working on you is, the, is really the first part. Um, and, and taking the time to do that is really important. But... I want to say thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for being on my, my it's a, podcast. It's a different podcast. I think we've just, you know, I don't normally talk that much about myself, actually, to be honest. Um, I, well, maybe, maybe I'm just kidding myself. I'm not sure. <laughs> all my podcasts and me talking about myself. Um, but it's, yeah, I think maybe it's actually quite nice because I think some of my, like I said, you know, in that is about toxic positivity that I think maybe a little bit, sometimes I should be more transparent, maybe, to say people that, I, that I'm having struggles at points and, and lockdown's not been fun. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about some of that stuff, it, you, you know, it makes you think, you know, yeah, I've been through that. And that gives that people the strength to be able to open up and also talk about it as mm. well. That's the thing, yeah, so people that are going to be listening. Yeah, that's why I, I wanted to talk to you about this, because I know that there's people out there, they're going to be hearing this, they're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I needed to hear this, I needed this encouragement to realize that I need to find help, I need to realize that I need to start loving myself, that the relationship that I'm in isn't healthy, and if yeah. we can only reach one or two people in this way, that's what it took for me. Just one, one peep. I just listened to a few people online. I, I was listening to podcasts and all these podcasts, they started influencing me too. And that's just what it takes. One person that says, oh, oh I resonate with that message and you change their life forever. So thank you so much for being on my podcast. And thank you so much. It's a pleasure. We'll have to do another one. I could talk to you for hours, I think. <laughs> yeah, because we have a lot of similarities. I'm sure uh, I'm, this is my last episode for the season. I'm going on a winter break, but I will be back in the spring. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of cool topics that I'm going to be talking about. And we can talk about tarot if you want. We can talk about awakening, all kinds of stuff. But I will definitely ask you to be on on my podcast again because we could we could talk for hours i feel <laughs> yeah definitely well thank you ever so much for having me on and i think i'm gonna have to get you on my podcast to talk about some of the things that you do um certainly because again we could have a Really good <laughs> yeah i love your podcast by the way people yeah i'm gonna put the put all your info in the description below she you have to check out her podcast it's super fun and interesting uh yeah i'm gonna have to leave to pick up my daughter so we're gonna Dang, have gotta, to go i've got another appointment i'm like i'm gonna have to drive like the wind <laughs> okay well it was super That's nice amazing. talking to you and you too. i'll talk to you again real soon bye. thanks very much thank you have a good day you too bye, bye. 
Okay, so that was it for this week. Um, yeah, something I would like to add to. Um, yeah, so if you feel like you may be in a toxic relationship and you're not sure if you are in a toxic relationship, um, there is a difference between uh, having a partner that's not necessarily a good boyfriend or a girlfriend um, but or someone who's being actively toxic um, people sometimes are just not a good fit for us personalities or lifestyles don't align different views uh, on on certain things or core values that just don't match up but uh, an example is my boyfriend now um, who is the, the kindest, most sensitive, wonderful guy ever. Um, he loves my daughter and he is helping me with raising my daughter and he became basically like a, a second dad to my daughter. Um, she met him when... Um, well, she, she had already met him previously before, but he came into her life as uh, her stepdad basically at the age of three and she's uh, about to be six years old. We also have another baby who's nine months old now. Uh, together we're just uh, like a blended family basically. Anyway, so yeah, he helps me with driving her to school and, and picking her up uh, here and there. So one time when I was at work in the morning, he was supposed to bring her to school, but he slipped through his alarm. And of course she didn't wake him because she didn't realize the time. She didn't know what time it was and she ended up being late for school. Um, an example of um, what would be a toxic reaction would be um, like what my ex would have done. He would have freaked out on me. He would have blamed me, said it was my mistake for not waking him. It's your fault that she was late. You should have woke me up. This is your kid. It's your responsibility. That would be a toxic reaction. So if your boyfriend or partner uh, or husband is uh, talking to you in that way that is toxic that is not normal that's not a normal reaction that is not something that you should accept but instead with my boyfriend who of course is, is super nice and would never do that he said oh my god I slept through my alarm I'm so sorry I should have I should have woke up I'm so sorry and and uh, next time I'm gonna make sure that my alarm that I hear my alarm I might set two alarms I'm sorry and of course I said it's not your fault, this could happen to anyone, just make sure that, that you set an alarm that you can hear next time. That's a balanced conversation, Not there's not going to be any blaming or blame shifting. That doesn't happen in a balanced relationship. So that is what would be an example of what the difference is between um, a, just, just yeah, a toxic reaction or a normal reaction in a situation. And what are some red flags if you're not sure? Uh, if somebody makes everything about them, if your life ends up being completely about them because there, there's just so much drama always surrounding them, that is a red flag if the relationship is basically all about them and surrounding their decisions, what they do, and, and basically you have to turn your life around completely for them. And if also you want to address an issue with them and they don't want to talk it through, they dismiss your emotions, that's also a red flag. They don't take your emotions seriously. And if you start justifying their bad behavior because of trauma that they went through, that is a red flag. And also how they treat their friends and family.
if they don't treat their friends and family with respect, if they are mean or dismissive of their emotions. And like when you meet somebody and you notice this kind of behavior, don't think, oh, they'll be different with me. I can change them. No, they will eventually treat you the same way unless you set clear boundaries. Um, yeah, and, and that's that what brings, what brings me to the next uh, thing that I wanted to talk about real quick still uh, before I stop this podcast. Can a relationship evolve from being toxic to healthy once it's been uh, identified and the issues have been addressed? Um, it depends on the person. They have to be willing, like we said in, in our conversation earlier, they have to be willing to uh, take responsibility. So if you are with somebody that is toxic, they have to want to go into therapy, they have to want to change, they have to be willing to do the work. And if time after time after time it becomes clear that that's not going to happen, you have to choose you. You have to choose to love yourself and to walk away. And it will be hard, but staying will be 10 times harder long term. I'm going to repeat that. Leaving will be hard, but staying will be 10 times harder long term. It really is true. Take it from me. And if you are not sure if you're in a toxic relationship or you want somebody to talk to, please reach out to me. Please talk to me. You can find me on my Instagram, on my website. There's a contact button and you can email me. Um, yeah, just reach out to me or reach out to Laura. Reach out to either one of us. Because I would rather hear from you and don't think you're disturbing me or bothering me. Please reach out to me. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's it for this week. This was kind of a heavier topic, but this is necessary. We need to talk about these things. And I'm so glad that you decided to tune in and join us for this episode. You can connect with Laura and her work on her social media. Um, all details will be mentioned below in the description box. I'd love it if you commented so we can keep the conversation going. And if you want to stay up to date on all the podcast episodes, make sure to go to anchor.fm slash mystical tea time. There you will be able to find all podcast links and also a YouTube channel link. In between podcast episodes, I po uh, post regular short videos on IGTV, so follow me on Instagram if you aren't already. And I will see you next time, although, like I said before, next time may be a little while. This was episode number 11, and 11 is a magical number for me. I also felt the call to make this the last episode of the season. Uh, as the temperatures are cooling down, I will be going into my writer's cocoon, a little bit of a winter hibernation to work on my book that I'm working on. Um, I will be back for a season two next spring because I love having people on, love talking about all these topics. I will be posting shorter videos on IGTV, like I said, so follow me on Instagram for more video content, and I will see you next time. Bye!